Welcome to the Evolving Digital Self Podcast, where we explore the conscious use of technology. Listen in to hear thought leaders and other guests discuss the human relationship with technology and learning to thrive in the digital era. Hosted by the author of the international best-selling digital self-mastery series and being at work, Dr. Heidi Forbes Usta. Welcome back to the Evolving Digital Self Podcast. My name is Dr. Heidi Forbes Esta, and I'm so excited to share this exciting episode with you this week. Now hang on to your hats, this one gets a little bit geeky, but we get to learn about what goes inside and the amazing advances in technology that are making all of these tiny little devices that are making our lives easier and our work easier so small and functioning. So I can't wait to share with you. We've got four interviews, and so hold on to your hats. You're going to learn about some really cool stuff, and I hope you enjoy this episode. I'm going to sign off for now, and you'll get to hear a little bit from our guests. And here we still are at the IT Tech Expo, and we've got some really cool stuff that we've been exploring here. I'm now sitting here with Vincent Ball from NITEC, and he has been developing this super cool band for Carnival Cruises, among many other projects. So um, I just want to introduce you to Vincent. Welcome. Thank you. It's great to be here. Yeah, so nice to see you here. So can you tell us a little bit about both NITEC and sort of what cool projects you've been doing? You were uh, telling a little about a little in the green room. So Yeah, absolutely. So NITEC is in its 44th year in business. We're a design engineering consultancy uh, that work with Fortune 100 companies to bring technology and experiences to life. We focus on consumer electronics lifestyle products, as well as industrial IoT. Uh, and that's really our main focus. And, and most recently, we're focused on Carnival's amazing platform that we're deploying. It's the world's largest IoT personalized guest experience in the world. Uh, it's going to be on 110 ships, serving 11.5 million passengers. And this is one of those episodes that I really wish it was a video episode, because this thing is so cool. It's like, you remember the those the smart watches? Oh, not smart. Isn't it smart? No, what's those watches? That, a swatch. swatch. When swatches first came out, and it was like, wow, you can make a watch that flat and low profile? I mean, it's from a lot of the wearable devices and a lot of the things that you see out there today, the format is so chunky and not usable. Yeah. And it's really exciting to see that you not only have created something that integrates in that way, but... You can wear it lots of different ways. So it it really accommodates any kind of a user. That's right. And that was by design from the beginning. In fact, the way in which we approach this is really thinking about it from a fashion standpoint. Uh, and looking at their uh, target customers and who they have as customers today, but also who do they want to attract as customers. And in doing so, we realized if we separated the technology into a platform that could be interchanged between different types of accessories, we really could provide that personalization, that personal experience for each guest. And so imagine if you're going on a cruise to the Caribbean, maybe the accessory that you use that holds this piece of technology, which is called the medallion, uh, can be more thematic to that 
crews. So you can use more natural materials or woven leathers or things like that that really speak to the region. And then, uh, you know, have it as a necklace or a clip or a, or a bracelet or a more traditional band for around your uh, wrist. Uh, and it just provides a lot of flexibility. And the whole point of this platform was to create personalization for each guest. And it didn't end or start at the type of experiences you can have on the ship. It really touched every point of the guest journey. And that includes the device itself, which we think should be more transparent to the, the overall guest experience. The guest doesn't need, they do not need to think about that product. They don't need to think that they're wearing this, that it just enables magical experiences for each person. It's this really cool, beautiful device that you can use for all these different things and it accommodates really the, the human experience, which, which we talk about a lot in the show, but sort of it has also built into this tiny little device it has all that functionality that you need i mean if you've ever been on a cruise before usually you're like wearing what looks like a conference badge yeah you know and you've right. got that your entire trip and it's just this it's it's a drag yeah. really more than anything else and and so to be able to integrate that more into experience like you have when you go into a Hilton where you can use your phone to open your door. That's right. But it's even without even it's having easier. to do that. It's yeah. even easier. That's so right. I think it's really cool that you're that you're that you know that they're thinking ahead to that and then you guys have been able to create something. Yeah, it's been a really great collaboration. Carnival's um, been a fantastic partner or we've been partners in this together. Where we are the technology partner for them. And we've developed a really great system specifically for the application of cruising. And if you think about the cruise environment, it's essentially a steel box, which steel and RF do not go well together. Uh, it's a situation where you are essentially a floating city. You have every aspect of you know, a hotel, you have resort, you have pool, spa, you know, basketball, sport courts, you have a theater, you have a gym, you have all of restaurants and retail. And so how do you create this seamless experience across those different types of uh, guest uh, engagements? And the way in which we did that is really to bring business, technology, and experience together and really design the system to think about how do we drive the right experience, how do we leverage the right technology, and let's go build that and integrate that into not only the guest experience, but how do we think about the process improvements we can make with the crew and the way in which they engage with each guest. So it's really a fantastic project. It, it's exciting to see that that kind of stuff is happening and, and that it's happening in a space that is such a big industry. I mean, it's, that's right. Uh, I know you've worked on a lot of other different projects. Are there any other yeah. fun projects that you wanted that you've had sort of similar experiences with that you, you know, care there's, to share? There's so many projects out there that that we work on as a company. Uh, you know, our our clients are all Fortune 100 customers, many of which you know do not like to tell people that the technology doesn't come from them. Uh, but I will tell you a, an example of a project that is has been announced and it's on the market and it's a, it was uh, a product that was designed and engineered 
early on when Bluetooth just came out. And it was a keyboard for your computer, your desktop computer, which not very many people have desktops today. But it was the first generation, and, and the first generation of Bluetooth had latency issues from a technology standpoint. But there's some great benefits to having a cordless wireless keyboard, right? We got rid of the cables, cleaned up the desktop, and made that um, more elegant. But the latency in Bluetooth itself caused when you were typing, you would miss the first key. Um, and so what we ended up doing is integrating capacitive sensing into the palm rest. And so as you approached, the keyboard would actually start the connection and it also had backlighting. So it would light up. It would, it would actually feel like it came to life. And it turned out that that was the key feature that everyone loved is it felt like it was responding to you as you approached it and magic it was magic and and those sort of principles i think we've seen being used in other products since because it really does have that connection with the customer and it makes them feel like they're better at typing or that it's more comfortable or it's it's more relating to them now, so we're, here we are at ID Tech Expo, and there's all kinds of, particularly in the Expo area, it's a lot of component-based things. But I think there's there's some interesting innovations that are that I've seen walking the floors here. Absolutely. Is there anything that stands out for you that's like, ooh, that would be a cool thing to try to integrate in, or we've made some big progress in this area that you know you haven't seen recently? I haven't been able to get around uh, and see everything. But there are a couple things that I think stand out, one of which is essentially printing technologies where they're applying printing methods to apply technology to more soft goods or fabrics and those types of materials. In fact, we've done a lot of work in the, in the past, I won't name who they are, but doing smart woven fabrics that ended up in products, uh, large companies that produce um, these technologies. I think seeing that evolving also, I just talked with someone today around haptics where they're able to integrate and isolate haptics at the point of touch. So when you touch uh, a particular area of the product, it feels like a button mm. in that location and they're, they're able to isolate that instead of using a piezo or some other technology to sort of vibrate the product this is isolated in context, which I think is really cool and appropriate. And they're thinking about how do I leverage the technology or evolve the technology to enable those types of more real experiences. And I Mm -hmm. love that. And getting that actual feedback from like, oh, I touched Exactly. Right. In where you touched it, not just the whole product vibrates. Yeah. No, absolutely. (laughs) It's funny. I was in, uh, I don't know if you've ever been to the beta store here. Yeah, we have one in Seattle. Yeah. And I was in there yesterday and they had this... It looked like an old typewriter, but you could attach your iPad to it. Right. And we were playing around with it. We're like, wow, I haven't used one of these things in so long. But it actually feels really good. It does. Yeah, There's something they do. that's very gratifying yeah. about hitting a key and having it pop back up. Yeah. And, and, the and sort of the click, click, click. And, and, yeah. and there was something really nice about that. And I think that that haptic, if you can use that to to create that same kind of sensation emotional connection the emotional yeah. connection it's really nice but i wonder you know for kids that didn't grow up with keyboards like that yeah. do they get that same sense of gratification i don't know maybe they don't look for it yeah i i think it's a different experience key design itself is a science and 
the, the height of those keys and how they respond and the force that you apply and the shape. Like, there's so much science behind that. It's got to be just right. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Very cool. So um, before I let you go, because I promised it would be very short, um, I would love, because you're obviously, you know, in a high-level leader in an organization, and you've seen a lot of change in your career over the, what's happened with technology and how Absolutely. it's changed the way you work and live. What's What stands out for you as something you're excited about and mm. that you've seen? And that could be something around well-being to sort of keep you strong as a leader or it could be something you know in your work uh, well i you know obviously i focus on iot uh wearables is a big area i really am excited about where wearable tech is going in the in ear mm. so uh i do a lot of travel foreign travel uh and a lot to china and being able to do on the like on the fly translation is just amazing to me and I, I think that I'm just anxious for that to really work <laughs> um, but uh, yeah I'm excited about that I'm excited about digital assistance I really want to have that next layer of information to help me uh, have a better connection with the person I'm connected with or meeting for the second or third time mm-hmm. where I it can remind me, you know, this person has kids, their husband does this, what have you. It can be our own little I pocket not, brain. Yes, because yes. I'm horrible at names, so this <laughs> helps. It's a selfish uh, reason. Oh, I'm with you on fine. that one. I'm terrible <laughs> at that. I definitely need the little reminder. And then once I get the cue, I get it. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember yeah. Well, anyway, thank you so much for taking the time to absolutely let me prod you a little bit and learn a little bit about more about your work. And I look forward to following and and seeing where you guys go with it. But um, thank you for yeah. sharing your well, thank you your wisdom today with our digital selfers. Absolutely, great time. All right, awesome. Thank you. So here we are on day two of ID Tech Show, and um, I've got John Field from Ulvac with me, and he's got some really cool ideas and um, inspiration around what's happening in the battery space. So can you tell us a little bit more about what you guys are doing? And Well, what Ulvac is a company that builds capital equipment, uh, primarily based on vacuum, but we're, we can be considered thin film experts in the industry and what's happening in battery is that as we're looking for batteries that are both safer uh, can be smaller can be adopted to different form factors such as wearables flexible clothing things like that the industry is really moving toward batteries built on thin films and we provide that technology that can be fed up to the to the kind of companies that use these types of batteries consumer electronics um, sensor companies, the IoT space that is growing. All of these types of applications will need thin film batteries in the future. Primarily, we want to replace the batteries that have the uh, liquid electrolyte, the kind of thing that can you know, catch on fire that many consumers know all about based on all the news stories that can also be environmentally friendly, disposal later, all of these types of things. So fundamentally, solid-state battery is not something that maybe consumers have heard about a lot now, but it is coming, and every company of significance from consumer electronics on down is working on finding applications for this technology. 
I mean, it really seems like an essential element. I mean, sure, there's a lot of research, but it's one of those things that you just like, you don't think about. It just sort of happens. That power is there. You pick up your battery, you pick up your device, and maybe the battery is already embedded in it. But this, I mean, what you guys are doing really impacts the ultimately where we're going in terms of the form factor and the, you know, the the full output and sustainability factors around batteries. It's pretty cool. I think what you'll find is, especially in consumer electronics, you'll never know when this technology makes its way in. It just will be there. But now it'll be there in a safer way. But what I believe you'll start to find is many more applications working down the chain, such as implantable uh, small Internet of Things sensors, for example, implantable in the body to measure glucose. Those need a power source. Right now, there's no way to do that safely. This technology would enable that. So I think that it will be somewhat uh, invisible to the consumer in one sense, up at consumer electronic level, but you'll see more and more applications come out that have power supplies that uh, enable those applications, and all of a sudden, they'll start to show up, and you'll see it in the advertising, in the in the textiles, in the embedded ICs and clothing for exercise that measure things. You'll just start to see it over time. But we have to let the technology catch up and become cost-effective until that application space really opens up. What's the part that you're the most excited about? The part I, well, personally, the part I'm excited about is that these are safe solutions for battery. And batteries are a big environmental problem. That's one thing. The other side, though, is that the application space, the different things that need that could be enabled with power supplies, especially down at that very small chip level, the implantables that I mentioned, you're going to see a lot more applications come in. And it's going to be probably over the next five years, consumers will notice that with many different offerings from many different types of companies. You never would have imagined that now that they have a power supply, to power something, you'll start to see it. I would imagine in digital health, this is going to be huge. It's going to be a game changer. What we're seeing is that digital health, yes, preventative applications are the big one. So you can imagine that if you had a glucose monitor um, that was constantly on, that was broadcasting to a wireless hub, and your doctor was getting that information proactively, not even allowing, uh, requiring the user to have to test daily. Uh, it can be into other health things, but the idea is to get the information out, get the um, measurement device to the point of use, use power in the device and wireless technology to get the data to the cloud, to your doctor, and have that proactively fed back to you in terms of maybe a treatment protocol that maybe wouldn't have been known until patients go in on a periodic exam and you've lost all that time. So uh, digital health is really big. There's also some applications with ultrasonic technology. People are used to ultrasonic being an image that a doctor translates looking at the screen. The many devices that also need power will be essentially maybe even imagine a small tab taped to the body next to different organs that is capturing ultrasonic data that is processed through an application that is fed to a doctor that then you get early notification or early treatment recommendations. These are the kinds of things that I I think that are going to be very exciting for consumers. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for the work that you guys are doing. And I look forward to seeing some of those applications come to fruition, but also just seeing where you guys evolve to, because this is just the beginning, isn't it? 
It is the beginning. Um, with any technology like this, you have to start quite a while ago. OLVAC really began the, the technology development over five years ago. So we know how to build uh, these these batteries in solid state formats in many different sizes. And now we're working with different manufacturers as they explore how can we uh, apply this to our product? How can we envision new products? And how can we then scale those products? So OLVAC is you know, really, we're the guys at the forefront of helping them figure that out. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for the work that you're doing. And uh, we'll make sure that people can find you if, they, if they're curious about learning more about where this is, is going. So um, thank you for joining us today, John. I appreciate, appreciate it. it. Thank and, you. And uh, enjoy the rest of your show. Thank you very much. All right. Today's episode is sponsored by Oska Pulse, the opioid-free solution for chronic pain. Now, Oska Pulse is a pain relief and recovery device using pulsed electromagnetic field therapy. That's PEMF. And the great thing about this device is it's using a lot of these incredible technologies that we were seeing at the show today. They're actually enabled to make it smaller, make it more functioning. Normally, these devices take up a whole bed sheet, and instead, we're seeing it in this pocket-sized device that actually can help us manage our chronic pain. So, I really suggest that you go check it out. If you're a, a chronic pain sufferer or you ever get frequent headaches, this is an incredible device that's a, a solution for not having to take all of these different opioids or even just, you know, a leave or whatever it is that you take that's eventually not so good for your body. And they've been kind enough to offer an affiliate code for our guests so that you can get a discount if you go to their Oscar Wellness site and you enter the code to be you. And by doing that, you help support the show, you get a discount, and you get to appreciate this incredible device and check it out. So I highly recommend you Take a chance to check it out, enjoy Oscar Pulse, and now back to the rest of our interviews and our show. Thanks. Okay, we're back on the floor with Tejas Unatakat, who is the CEO of Motive. And as you all know, wearables are a dear place in my heart. And these guys have created the coolest smart ring out there. Uh, welcome, Tejas. Thank you for having me. So can you tell uh, the listeners a little bit about this amazing tool that you've created? I'll give you a little bit about the history of Motive. What Motive has built is a smart ring that is what we call internally the first truly wearable wearable on the market. We've taken what common you know, folks wear every day, a ring, and we've created effectively something that has sensors, technology in it that will replace the ring that you wear so your overall experience doesn't change at all. It's very sleek and subtle. It's not doesn't have those big ornaments there. And it's got so much packed in it where what we've tried to do is give you a lot of value out of that piece of metal that you used to wear on your finger. I love that. And I love the fact that it is so simple. It's not trying to sort of become overstated or become the bling. It's more about its functionality, but it's it really does fit into just sort of your day-to-day. So it's, you know, it's kind of more like a, a wide wedding band if you look at it. That is correct. Um, and it's more like you're, I guess, you're sort of wedded to yourself because it's helping you really take better care of yourself, right? That's absolutely correct. What we try and work or strive towards, especially, you know, within the company, within our employees, is how can we provide value to our users every hour of the day? And that's 
our overall goal that customers, our customers wear rings today. In fact, I'll give you a little bit of trivia. A quarter of our male customers have replaced their wedding bands with a motive ring. Wow! Which is which was very pleasantly surprising for us because uh, this is where you know it establishes the value that we're trying to create, which is they've taken their band off. They've asked permission from their spouse. <laughs> I would hope so. <laughs> and one of the biggest requests we had was, can you guys please build us a silver ring or a yellow gold ring so that we can replace our actual silver yellow gold rings? Because we only had uh, a slate gray and a rose gold color. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you have that really awkward conversation with your wife saying, can I wear a slate gray ring? And they look at you quizzically and say, why do you want to replace your silver band? Are you trying to do something strange <laughs> on the side? But that said... They get value out of it every day. What we allow them to do on the ring, in terms of features we give them today, one, it's 24-7 wearable. Uh, A big chunk of our users wear the ring every single day. Uh, We detect your activity, your heart rate, and your sleep. We're waterproof to 165 feet. So this little set of scuba divers who like keep like putting pictures underwater on on our social feeds. And it's actually really fascinating to see what they do because they can wear these rings under the water. Uh, it's a premium ring. It's, it's made out of titanium. And we have roughly one-thirteenth of the volume of a comparable tracker. Yet we have a three-day battery life. So kudos to the hardware software team in Motive that have really eked out every little bit of power to ensure that you don't have to charge it every single day. And then uh, it's as light as a penny. So if you were to hold it, touch it, Extremely solid, yet it doesn't feel burdensome on your finger. Yeah, really nice. I mean, the form factor is really impressive. I remember I had an early stage, I think I mentioned to you, I had an early stage ringly, and I don't wear a lot of jewelry. And I mean, I thought they were beautiful for what they were, but it's a big, you know, it's a, it's a heavy piece and it, and it, you know, it gets in the way. I mean, my even my wedding band is, doesn't have anything that sticks out because I have I'm very busy. I do stuff that I don't, I don't want to be bumping into something that sticks out. So I, there's something that's really universal about that, that's that's really nice in that you don't, it would fit with other rings if you are a jewelry person, but you don't have to be a jewelry person for it to be functional. And I think that's really impressive what you guys were accomplished there. No, thank you very much. And I, I'll probably reiterate that. It's one of the big reasons why our customers purchase the ring, because... We have customers who are younger, who are older, but a big significant piece of it are folks who have families and they don't want something that is gaudy, but they want something that is subtle, that does not have a screen that they look at every single time, yet gives them the insights that they want by replacing something that they already wear. So it really fits into what they are already doing without changing anything that they do today. I love that. And, and as we know, you mentioned before that you're, you're doing things with sleep and that is a big issue that we're all really struggling with. I don't think you have to be a particularly stressed out person these days to have issues with sleep. It's, you know, it's everything from the blue screens to the, you know, to the indoor lighting that we're surrounded by. I mean, right now we're going through the the smoke in, in the valley where, you know, we can't even be outside. And so that's affecting our sleep and our inability to be able to move around. What feature, I mean, obviously sleep is a big feature that people have asked for, but what is it that you find people are most attracted to uh, in terms of features for your So there's, there's three things, uh, the three top things that our users look for in us. First one, you already mentioned sleep. And the reason they do that is this ring is the most comfortable foam factor for somebody to take into bed. 
my background, I used to work in basic science where we made wrist-worn trackers there. And one of the biggest issues we saw is there are many folks like myself who have higher melanin. We, we have a little bit of hair on our wrists, and that becomes uncomfortable at night, especially when your spouse or your partner is next to you. The ring eliminates all that. And therefore, it becomes one of these favorite wearables for folks who really want to monitor their sleep at night without that sort of discomfort. The second segment or feature functionality that they purchase it for is they want something very subtle that measures their activity and heart rate over the course of the day. And they don't look at it every hour. Mm -hmm. They look at it in the morning. They then check their app midday or maybe review whatever their activity was, was at night. And then the last one is they're looking for something that is comfortable, that gives them a holistic view of not only their sleep, their activity, but their resting heart rate as well, which is one of the clear indicators of, uh, you know, how your health is uh, tracking. So if you are sick, you have fever, you'll see that resting heart rate trend up. If you are a fitter person, you'll see the resting heart rate trend down. And it's a long-term indicator of how your health is trending over the course of months, years, etc. Absolutely. Well, I love that. And I noticed that in your newer version, you have, you've actually got an online or an added security piece. That is correct. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Because that's pretty cool. This is, uh, this is an exciting uh, direction for us. So what, what we think of is, once again, I'll reiterate, how do we provide value to you every hour of the day? And we already provide you value around sleep, fitness, heart rate, general health. But one of the big problems that our current user base came to us is, you know, you've been through the last two years with election hacking, Russian, Cambridge Analytica, Facebook, Equifax. And our customers have hit that inflection point where they're looking for something to help them, uh, you know, get that extra level of security. So what we've done is we've done two things. First, the ring today, which you wear all the time, becomes your second factor authentication token. So today we have lots of people who put that second factor authentication ability on their Facebook, Amazon, Google account so nobody can hack it or nobody can take uh, you know, ownership of it. That's not you. How that works is ordinarily what you'd have to do is you'd have to log in, username and password. You figure out, find your phone. You unlock your phone. You find the authenticator app. You find the code. You punch in the code and then you're What we enable today is you put in your username and password. You move your hand like you're unlocking a door and the ring gets activated and transmits your code. And there you have it. It takes that notion of security in all those six steps and brings it down to a level that's very simple. And the way we, we try to laugh about it at work is so simple that my, my mother or my son's grandma would be able to use it. Absolutely. And I think that that's something, you know, you touched on two different things there. One is that sense of security and there's a lot of fear going on around technology and that's sort of eliminating some of the fear around privacy. But the other piece is, you know, you have this simple device and you want to be able to make it, uh, make that functionality accessible even for people that aren't necessarily tech inclined. You know, the findings from my dissertation study back then were it's like, you know, it just, things were not user-friendly. They weren't designed with people in mind. They were designed with techies in mind. Right. In mind. So, right. you know, fine, you could be a super engineer and want to strap a cell phone to your wrist, but, like, who wants to do that, right? Then things are getting smaller and smaller, and we're realizing now we don't even need that screen, the inter, you know, that, the graphic interface. And that, I think that's really exciting what you guys have accomplished there. I know you, you have to run off, and so I'm just going to say we need to have you back. 
So for those of you digital selfers who are listening, don't worry, we'll get more on motive later. But I just wanted to give you a little bit of an insight on what's happening while we're here at ID Tech X and some of the really cool applications of the different components that are out here at the expo. So thank you, Tejash. We look forward to following motive as you guys get further along. Thank you very much for having me. And I look forward to our extended discussion around our biometric identification when we get a chance. Absolutely. Thank you. Wonderful. Take care. Welcome back to the Evolving Digital Self podcast. Today, we have got Carl Byers from Contextera, and he and I are sitting here on the floor of the ID Tech Expo, and uh, it's just a really exciting group of companies showing what is happening in the space of IoT and the future. So um, welcome, Carl. Hello, Heidi. Very nice to meet you. (laughs) So can you tell us a little bit more about Contextera and why you guys are here? Yeah, Contextera is building an intelligent agent for field-based workers, blue-collar workers that are out in the field maintaining, installing, and operating complex equipment. What we do is uh, use artificial intelligence to deliver curated guidance to those users based on their context. Who are they, where they are, and what do they need now to understand their job and to be more productive and more safe. What a great application of IoT and AI. So that's really exciting. And how did you actually come into that space? Because it's not necessarily something that even existed not too long ago. My partner Gabe and I were involved in a variety of technology companies before, including training technology companies, virtual reality, and augmented reality firms. In each of those cases, we saw that what was missing in the market and missing in our customers was the ability to deliver uh, more bite-sized information for just-in-time learning and just-in-time knowledge transfer for a user in the field, where where they're actually out touching systems and touching machines and, uh, and making mistakes. 25% of the time when they have the information available in manuals, they're still doing the job wrong. And 70% of their time, they're waiting for information and looking for information and trying to call somebody to get the right information. We figured if we can deliver that information to them in real time, where they need it, where their warm hands are touching cold steel, then they can be more productive and more safe. That sounds great. I mean, not only productive and safe, but efficient. I mean, it sounds like they're just, you know, what a great tool. And I wish we all had had that. So you told a little bit about so your story and how you came to this, but how do you see, as you know, this whole podcast is about the human relationship with technology and how it changes the way we work and live, but, you know, you're, you're heading a company, you've got a lot of these tools in your hands. How do you see that's changed the way you work and the way you may run a company or the way you may make decisions? Is there, how has technology impacted that for you? Well, one of the key things is really seeing where technology does work and where it doesn't work. So, for example, intelligent personal agents on, on our phones that we have today, if they don't get it, get it right and they don't notify me when I need to be notified, I'm not going to use them again. That's happened to me many times and I've stopped using them. So what we see is we translate that then back to our technology and our tools and the, and the need to make sure that we get the right information consistently to those users in the field, those blue-collar workers that are trying to do their jobs effectively and come home safe at the end of the day. We need to get it right, and the machine learning solutions that we build are all designed about that to make sure that we do figure out the right information based on their context and deliver it reliably. Such a great tool. Do you find that there's any resistance to using the technology with your workers? Because obviously digital transformation is a huge problem for organizations, and I would think with the blue-collar worker, 
they may not necessarily, you know, digital may not be something that they're as comfortable with. Well, certainly the workforce is in trans in, in transition. Uh, you know, if we look at it, 14% of the global population is going to be impacted by automation and AI, according to McKinsey. Uh, 45% of the global population is in unproductive um, work of some sort, and 300 million youth across the globe are uh, are not in work and not in education. Those are all opportunities to be able to improve the way that people develop skills, develop and cross-skill and, and multi-skill to be able to be more productive productive in their jobs. Do we see resistance? In some cases, yes. But we also see the opportunity and our clients and our customers generally see the opportunity once it's in their hands. Say, oh, this is information I didn't have before. This is information that is helping me do my job. I'm not being automated out of a job. I'm actually being improved and given new skills that I didn't have before. Nice. And that's ultimately what we're trying to achieve is actually the technology enhances that experience rather than replaces it or becomes it. Absolutely. So right. um, so I commend you for doing that. That's a, you know, it's a, it's nice to see that kind of thing here. And so do you guys have a booth here or you're just, you're speaking? We're speaking because yeah. in ID Tech X is a great event. There's a variety of different technologies here. Everything from graphene to wearable technologies to, to, uh, to uh, stretchable circuit fabrics and things like this. Um, all of those tend to be oriented around ways to get information to people. But what doesn't uh, is not being addressed here is get, making sure that you know which information, what information to get to them. So we're one of the unique companies here that's focused on making sure we get the right information. And then in an environment like this where people are focused on wearable technologies and other things, how do they make sure that they have that information? We're, that's why we're here giving our presentation. Nice. Have you wandered the floor at all and discovered anything interesting that you might be able to integrate into your product? I think, yes, I have. I've had the chance to have a, a short look around already. I think one of the things that really fascinates me is is, is true um, wearable fabrics. Yeah. Because I think, uh, you know, we, we that's something we do do every day. We don't necessarily wear glasses every day. We don't wear headgear every day, but we put on our clothes every day. So I think the more that we can uh, embrace uh, electronic circuitry and other display technologies and interactive technologies in wearable fabrics, I think we, we have a much more natural user experience than than we might otherwise have. So it's great to see some of that that's on the show floor here. Very cool. Well, thank you so much for joining me today and uh, look forward to following your company and see where you guys go. I really appreciate the work that you're doing. Excellent. Thank you very much, Heidi. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for the Evolving Digital Self. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app now so that you don't miss a single episode. While you're at it, please give us a rating and a review and join the digital self-mastery movement to create more conscious use of technology by sharing it and telling your friends. Want to see where you fit on the digital self-spectrum and how it might be impacting your business and relationships? Get your free copy of Digital Self-Mastery today by clicking on the link in the show notes. 